sugar. Oh goodness. Well, like I said, it's just wonderful to be with you and and uh, thankful to be here with you all. Okay, open your Bibles if you would to Galatians chapter four. Today's today's message is called Your Enemy with a question mark. Your enemy? Now Paul loved the Galatian believers. He had went to Galatia and set up several different churches there had been the Lord had saved um, several people in that area and there was not just one churches church there were several as um, this is an epistle of Paul to the to the Galatians so it was written to the Galatian churches and so he had a he had a deep love for these folks because he had seen them turn from idols right to serve the the one true God. He had seen the, the mighty work of God, the Holy Spirit, regenerating them. They were born again and given faith to believe. He had seen it. He was an eyewitness of it. And so they were very, very dear to him. And we're in this section where he's making an earnest plea with the Galatian believers who had been bewitched by the false teachers. Not all the people in the church churches were bewitched, but there was a certain amount who had been bewitched by these Judaizers, these false teachers. And they had infiltrated the ranks of the Galatian churches, and they started spreading their poison. And that's really what false doctrine is. It's damning doctrine. It's poison. And um, because all it, all it does is lead to the damnation of one's soul. Again, you add just a pinprick of works, and it's no more grace, right? I'll give you that analogy again, the balloon that John Claude gave me, balloon full of helium. You take a pin, just put a prick that you can't even hardly see. What happens to that balloon? That's what happens to grace if you put a pinprick of works in. Just a pinprick of works. It's no more grace. And so these folks had come in and they said, you have to follow the law, the Mosaic law. You have to be circumcised to be saved. And um, Paul is writing these dear folks. And last week we saw preaching, or Paul pleading with our dear brethren in Galatian churches, again, who have, now they're entertaining what the Judaizers are saying. They started to entertain what, the, what, what they're saying to them. This false doctrine the Judaizers, again, who, who mix men's works with grace so that it's no more grace, right? And, and we see in chapter 1, turn if you would to chapter 1, we see what Paul says about this so-called gospel that they're preaching of Christ and works. Because he's going to tell us here in the first chapter in verses 6 to 9 that what they taught, and we can apply this to any any kind of religion that mixes grace and works, okay? Anything. You have to be baptized to be saved. You have to go to church on Sunday to be saved or Saturday to be saved. Um, even Sabbatarians, you, you just, you, anything, anything that you have to do to be saved is a false gospel. And so he writes them. And we're told, remember too, this is by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God too. Paul's penning these words, but who are they coming from? They're coming from the Holy Spirit of God, right? So whenever we read scriptures, always remember that no matter who the penman is, these words are the Holy Spirit writing to his people. 
writing to us. So these warnings are for us too, right? They're, they're for us. Look at this in chapter 1, verses 6 to 9. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So he puts it right there. Another gospel. And then he, then he corrects himself, which is not another. There's only one gospel. He's saying that's not God. That's not good news. If there's something you have to do, that's not good news, is it? If there's something I have to do to be saved, that's not good news. The, the, the amazing, marvelous news of the gospel is Christ did it all. He completed the work. That's the most amazing thing. That's incredible news. That's the best news we're ever going to hear in our lives as sinners. He says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you. See, false doctrine always causes trouble. Always causes trouble. And would pervert the gospel of Christ. It's a perversion. So a false gospel is actually a perversion of the gospel. And I'm telling you, anything. anything remember, works is anything man can think and do by action. It's not just actions. We think it's actions. But in the Greek, when, when it talks about works, it's, it's, it's thought works and works of the flesh. Because we can, we can say, oh yeah, I don't believe that. With the, but then our minds can say, oh yeah, I've got to do this to be saved. No, you don't. You have to look to Christ, right? And Christ alone. That's why when those old grave clothes come, because we got them, those old grave clothes will be on us and then something will come in our mind and we're like, oh man. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, no. I just need to look to Christ. And that grave clothes falls off. <laughs> and it's so, re- it's so re- um, relieving for our souls because we trust in him. We trust in the complete finished work, the perfect sin atoning death of the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. And he says this, he says, but though we are an angel from heaven. So, any preacher, minister, then the apostles, or an angel from heaven. Could you imagine an angel from heaven coming down and saying, saying something? Well, hold on. Hold on. Who did that Joseph Smith guy supposedly talk to? Oh, he supposedly talked to an angel from heaven, didn't he? The angel Maloney or whatever. We used to call it the angel Baloney back at West. But supposedly he talked to an angel from heaven. Well, Paul says here, even if an angel from heaven, and it wasn't an angel from heaven, trust me. No, it was a messenger of Satan. And, and look what he says, though. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, than, than the free and sovereign grace of, of salvation in and through Christ alone, let him be accursed. That's let him be anathema. Let him be damned. Oh, my. You see how serious the Holy Spirit is about the gospel? See, man, trifle with it like it's nothing. The Holy Spirit has Paul write these words here. Any other gospel than we preach unto you, let them be accursed. Let them be anathema. Let them be damned. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let them be accursed. See, we as believers, we've received the gospel of salvation in and through Christ alone by the power of God, haven't we? And so Paul's saying, if anyone preaches any other thing to you, any other thing, other than salvation's in Christ alone, let them be accursed. 
My. And again, the true author of these words is God the Holy Spirit. He's very protective of Christ, isn't he? In his gospel. And he's sent to teach us the truth. You see? This is error that's been going on with these Judaizers. And so he has Paul, God the Holy Spirit has Paul pen a letter. And remember, God the Holy Spirit is as active as God the Father and the Son. He's God just as much as the Father and just as much as the Son. But the scripture says he won't speak of himself, but he will teach us the things of Christ. That's happening right here. Salvation's in Christ alone. Any other gospel mixed with any other works, let them be accursed. Let them be damned. My, oh my. Now let's read the context of the verses which we'll look at in chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 8 and we're going to go down to, uh, to verse 20. We'll just read the context here. Paul's personal appeal to the dear saints in the churches of the Roman province of Galatia. How about then, when ye knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and times and years. See, they put themselves back under the mosaics, uh, all the mosaic days and seasons and months. That's what the Judaizers were trying to do to them. I'm afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am. And Paul there saying, trust Christ just as I'm trusting Christ. Look to Christ, be as I am. For I am as ye are. You have not injured me at all. You know how through infirmity of flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. In my temptation, which was in my flesh, you despised not nor rejected. But you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and had given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy? He's preaching the truth to them, right? Look what he says. Look at this. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? My oh my. He was, all he did was tell them the truth. All he did was preach the truth to them. And now all he's doing is telling them the truth that, that those Judaizers are, are preaching a false gospel. And he says, W weren't we walking hand in hand? Weren't we, weren't we having our arms clasped together in love? And now, all of a sudden, I'm your enemy? I'm your enemy? Because I tell you the truth? They zealously affect you, but not well. Yea, they would exclude you, that they might affect them, that you might affect them. But it is good to be zealously afflicted, always in go a good thing, and not only when I am present with you, my little children of whom I travail in birth. And he said that because he's, he's their spiritual father. Not, not, not he didn't save them, but he's the one who brought the gospel to them. Right? Of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. I desire to be present with you now and to, charge, and to change my voice, for I stand in doubt of you. Let's look at verse 13 first. He says, 
he sets forth, first of all, what he, what he did amongst the Galatians. It's exactly what he's being called to do. And it's exactly what every gospel preacher is being called to do. He says this, You know how through the infirmity of flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. So all he did was come and preach the gospel. Just like preachers do. We come, we preach the gospel, and, and we leave it in God's hands, right? And God the Holy Spirit does with it what he wills. And we rejoice. When a lost sheep is bought home, we rejoice when he reveals himself to a sinner dead in trespasses and sins. And we rejoice when believers are edified and built up. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Notice how, again how he, he speaks of the infirmity of the flesh. He, he preached the gospel to them. And this brings forth how he and his, in, in preaching the gospel to them and delivering did so in a ma- manner suited with their capacities. Suited with their capacities. He, he fed them with milk. He fed them with milk. Not, not strong meat. All he did was simply set forth the gospel to them. That's what he did. He set forth the gospel to them. He set forth before them Christ and him crucified. And also this can be respecting his own affirmity. Some bodily affirmity and disorder. Or weakness of the body in presence including the great humility which, which, in which he behaved. He's a humble man. Remember, Paul was pretty puffed up, right, until the Lord saved him. He'd been bought low, hasn't he? He's, he knows what he is now. He knows what he is. He's just a saved sinner. And this would also include the many reproaches and afflictions that he went through. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Oh, Paul went through many afflictions. Persecutions which attended him. Wherever he went preaching the gospel, someone was out to get him. Someone was out to get him. I remember they said that Ralph Bernard, when he came to town, there needed to be a revival or a riot. I think that's how it was with Paul. <laughs> Whenever he came to town, there'd either be a revival or a riot, let me tell you. Oh, my. Look at this in Second Corinthians chapter 11. Again, we see Paul bring forth some of the suffering he went through while preaching the gospel. We'll read verses 23 to 33. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes, above measure in per- prisons, more fre- frequent in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. 39 stripes. They'd only give a man 39 stripes because it'd kill him almost. Five times he, he's received that. Some people didn't even live through the first time. Five times. Do you imagine what his back was like? Do you imagine that when he took his when he took that his tunic off? I've seen pictures of guys in Vietnam that come back and and they were they were uh, tortured. It'd be just like that, just crisscrosses all over his back. My oh my. What's forty stripes times five? What's that? Eighty. 160, 200 stripes. Less, less five. 195 stripes. 
My goodness. My. No wonder it says that he, he, uh, he had infirmities. Do you imagine the damage that did to his body? My. Thrice I was beaten with rods. In, in uh, some of the uh, Asian countries, I think it's um, Thailand, and a couple, they, they still use a cane on people. They call it caning. And they're cane a person. My, oh my. That's what that was like. That's exactly what that was like. Thrice I was beaten with wads. Once I was stoned. Remember they left him for dead? Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen. Remember the Jews sought to kill him and that captain of the guard stepped in? My, oh my. In perils by the heathen, that's the Gentiles. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watch, watchings often, in hunger, in thirst, in fastings often, in cold, in meekness. Beside, look at this, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Look at that. He's going through all that stuff, but he's daily having the care of the churches and praying for the churches. By the grace of God, this man just kept going on. And that's the only way we keep going on is by God preserving us. This is amazing. Now, now turn over to chapter 12. And we'll look at verses 9 to 10. But we're going to read from verses 7 to 10 together. And marvel at how the grace of God, Paul says, by the grace of God, Paul says these wonderful words. After he's told us all those things he's went through, right? And he writes this in chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure, I think those things are going to keep you pretty humble, Paul. But remember, he was caught up in the third heaven. This is right after he tells us he was caught up in the third heaven. So if you read verses uh, 1 to 6, he's talking about being caught up in the third heaven. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Three times he asked the Lord to take this thorn away from him. Three times. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather... Now, look, look what he says as a result of that. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in the infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. My, oh, my. Marvel at these wonderful words. My grace is sufficient for thee. That's what God tells us, isn't it? He tells us that through his word here. So the Lord refused to take that thorn away from Paul. Thorn in the flesh. Tell him that his grace was sufficient to support him, to strengthen him, to uphold him under any trial and in any circumstance. And that's true for us too. 
no matter where we find ourselves in life. His grace is more than sufficient to sustain us and to keep us. And he's proved that, hasn't he? Over and over and over again in our lives. It's absolutely incredible. And our great God's strength and grace are never more glorified or appreciated by the born-again, blood-washed believer than when we are in our greatest weakness. You know, folks talk about mountaintop Christianity, and that's, I'll tell you what, I've been there too. That's nice, isn't it? And some days you wake up, you're just so, just, but other days you're dragging yourself out of bed, and your heart's so heavy. But in, in our weakness, beloved, he's strong. He's strong. He's right there with us. And he's proven it over again and over again, like I said. Paul says there, I will rejoice in my infirmities and accept my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My, oh my, God, give us the grace to say those words too. Now look at verse 13. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 4, verse 13 now. We see Paul didn't preach the law to them, did he? Nope. He didn't come saying, I preached the law. No, he says, I come and preach Christ to you. Christ and him crucified. Law can't save. So he's going to preach the Savior of sinners. He says, you know how through the infirmity of flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first. He preached Christ. He preached salvation in and through the perfect sin atoning work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Redeemed by the blood of Christ. Redeemed, purchased by the blood of Christ. So we see here in Paul, uh, upon Paul's first entrance into the Galatians, he just preached Christ. He preached the gospel. He set Christ before them. He taught that salvation was only in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And in the preaching of the gospel by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, the Lord used that to save some of, some of those Galatians, right? And then they formed the churches. And he went all through Galatia preaching the gospel, setting forth first before them Christ and him crucified. My, oh my. And Paul's their spiritual father, as I said. He pleads with them. He pleads with them. Cast aside those false teachings. Don't listen to those Judaizers. And his words would have some weight with those folks, right? Because they knew him personally. They didn't just know him as Paul the Apostle. They knew him as Paul. There's a difference, isn't there? Paul, my brother. Like you know me, Wayne, your brother. Right? And you're my brothers and sisters. We know each other personally. Like... No one, people can come into this congregation, but they don't know us how we know each other. You see? That's how it was for them with Paul. And look at, let's read verses 13 to 16. He says this. He says, Know ye how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first? And my temptation which was in my flesh ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness he spake of. They were so thankful that God sent him. They were blessed that God sent him. 
For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. My, oh, my. And then he says, now here it is. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They were in sweet fellowship. And then all of a sudden, this group says, you're our enemy, Paul. And Paul's perplexed. Every preacher that's went through this is perplexed at this time because you're like, what just happened? What changed? Paul's not understanding this. He's like, you're, you're a hand in hand with me, brothers clasped together, shields locked together, going forth or standing firm. And all of a sudden, you say, I'm your enemy? What happened? Well, these false teachers came in. These Judaizers came in. Started whispering in their ears. You think Paul's preaching the gospel? I think, I think you have to be circumcised to be saved. I think what Paul's teaching is wrong. What do you think about Paul's preaching? You see how they are? They're so subtle. And they never did it in earshot of Paul because you know Paul would have unloaded on them. Right? But they always did it subtly. They did it after Paul left. Here they come. Like Dave said, circling around. Circling around. My, oh my. And Paul's perplexed. He really is. He loves these people. He loves them dearly. And remember, the, the, the Galatians were eyewitnesses to his preaching. You guys are eyewitnesses to my preaching. They were eyewitnesses. Like, like we are here. They heard him preach the gospel. However passionately he did it, however he did it. They heard him. And they saw him face to face. With their own eyes and heard him with their own ears. And he says, my brother, now you're my enemy? What happened? What happened? And he preached all he did. All he did was set Christ before them. That's all he did. And that's what every gospel preacher does, right? We are called to come to where, where we're called, planted, and preach the gospel. And that's all he did. He preached the gospel in Galatia. He went to all these different churches. I don't know how long he spent there, but obviously he spent long enough time that he's very, very close with them. Very close with them. And we all know it does not take long. It does not take long for brethren to, to get like that, does it? It doesn't take long at all for us to get like that. My, oh my. And so he's doing what every sent gospel preacher desires to do. Setting forth Christ before them and telling them the truth. Right? And I'm going to tell the truth. I can't, I, I can't compromise, beloved. You know, I was talking to some people I know across the road there and and one of them's two of them are mixed up in this false gospel stuff and I told them I said I, I just thought I told them I couldn't I'm not gonna lie to them I'm not gonna comfort them in what they're in I said I said what what you're what you're involved with is wrong 
it's wrong. And he said, well, are you saying so the devil? And I said, the scripture says there's another Christ. There's another gospel. And there's another spirit. You figure it out. He wasn't very happy with me. I'm not going to lie to him. He's supposed to be my friend. I'm not going to lie to him. Paul, these, these people are his friends. His heart goes out to them. He loves them. My, oh my. Look what he brings out in verse 14 here. He says, In my temptation which was in my flesh, ye despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Now, angel there is just messenger. Just messenger. He's not saying I'm an angel. He's just saying I'm a messenger of God. That's what every gospel preacher is, a messenger of God. And Paul came among the Galatians. They had, they had received him as an angel of God, even as Jesus Christ. I think it was Scott and Henry used to say that, that when a preacher gets up and preaches the gospel, when the gospel's preached, it, Christ is the one who's going to speak to your heart. Right? We preach the words, but Christ is going to make it effectual. The Holy Spirit's going to make it effectual. And he head to these Galatians. And that's why Paul's so perplexed. Because he's like, was my labor in vain with you? He, he, he's just perplexed. So they received him as God's messengers to their souls. As, as though Christ himself spake by him. To them. And indeed, that's exactly what God's servants are, 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 his people, to his people. Faithful pastors are described as God's messengers. That's what we are. I'm just a messenger. And people say, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> don't shoot the messenger. No. <laughs> no, but we're just messengers, aren't we? That's all we are. We're just messengers to his churches, to who God speaks. Scripture says this now, Paul wrote this, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. I'm, I'm an ambassador from a far off country. I speak of a far off country. I speak of the king of that country. Right? Remember, I think it's in Hebrews, it says we seek a better country. Right? I, I'm an ambassador for him. <laughs> I've been sent into the world. So have you. Do you know we're all ambassadors? We're sent into this, this, this world. And we speak of another country. There's another country I'm going to. This is not my home here. No, no, no. No, I'm going to a far better country. And so are you, beloved. Isn't that wonderful? So we're ambassadors for him. That's what we are. Just an ambassador. He says, now, then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did besiege you. We pray you in Christ's dead be reconciled to God. And see, we as born-again believers are reconciled to God now. And so as the gospel is preached and proclaimed, we're saying, be reconciled to God. We don't know who the elect are, so we preach the gospel to everyone, right? God does the saving. That's what he does. And notice in verse 15 now, he says this. He sets before them their sweet fellowship. They had such sweet fellowship that he says, if it had been possible, you'd have plucked your own eyes out and gave them to me. Look at this. 
That's, that's love. That's love, beloved. Some think that Paul had an affirmity with the eyes. I, I, I'm just going to read what it says here. It says, uh, I, I think those infirmities we read before, 39 stripes times 5, that's, that's a lot of, that, that'd be, you'd be wearing them scars for forever. Look at this note in verse, again, he sets forth the sweet fellowship. How their, their love was manifest to him by, by, what, by what they would have given him. Look at verse 15. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you'd have plucked your, your own eyes and given them to me. Your love for me was so great that you'd have, you'd have given me your eyes if you could. So my sight could be better. Oh, my. And, and note in verses 14 and 15 as he's bringing this out, they're not offended by his body elements. So if he took his shirt off and his back is just like a... Ch- oh, my goodness, I don't even want... They, they, weren't, even, they weren't even bothered by it. He, he wore the marks of the afflictions, the suffering for Christ within his body. And they weren't ashamed of him. No. They were so glad to hear the good news. They were so glad to hear Christ preach. They were just rejoicing, beloved. They were rejoicing. Oh, my. And they were blessed by the message of salvation in and through Christ alone, by his free grace alone. Now let's read verse 16. We're going to just touch on this quickly. Look at this. So he writes all that. He tells them about the great love that they had for him and he has for them. And then he says, Am I therefore become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth? Again, that's why gospel preachers are perplexed when something within the body happens and a group, a group like these Judaizers were going around saying he wasn't preaching the gospel and he's like, I'm just telling you the truth and now, you're, now, now I've become your enemy? What in the world happened? What happened? Yeah. Things have changed here, haven't they? What, what Paul's bringing. He, he, in one verse, he says, look at the great love you had for me. And in the next verse, he says, now I'm your enemy? And like Dave said, it's, it's a heart issue. There's something gone wrong. Someone has poisoned the well. Someone's poisoned the well. And they're treating Paul as an enemy now. He, he simply brings forth the truth to them. Even in this letter he's bringing forth, do you see how gentle he is with them? Now he's speaking strong words, but he's also very gentle with them. He's pleading with them in this section. My, oh my. He asks them, what's, what's become of the respect and regard that you had for me? He's saying these people were happy in Christ in the gospel of God's free grace. And now that the law preachers had influenced influence them, they not only turned away from the gospel, but because of the influence of the false teachers, now they become Paul's enemies. You see how damaging it can be? Oh my. That's why we need to be on guard too, don't we? Oh my. Again, he asked them, and look at this, he asked them. He's, he, he's, he's dealing with them sincerely here, isn't he? He's saying, am I your enemy because I told you the truth? That's all I ever did. I just told you the truth. My, oh my. 
My, oh my. Am I your enemy because I preach that we're complete in Christ? That's what he was doing, right? He said, you don't need that, those law works. I'm, I'm saying you're complete in Christ. You don't need any other law works. Am I now become your enemy because I tell you that? Am I now your enemy because I tell you you don't need to be circumcised to be saved? That's what he's, he's contemplating all these things. And again, when he first came there, he preached the gospel. He preached it so clearly, didn't he? He set forth before them the truth. And that's what gospel preachers do. We set before our hearers God's free and sovereign grace in Christ. And he did so in weakness. He did it in humility. He did it through persecution. He did it through bodily afflictions. My, oh my. He's God's messenger to them. But the Galatians were different. They'd received the gospel with gladness, having been born again by the Holy Spirit of God. And we see that Paul does not neglect to praise them for that. And Paul bestows upon them joy in their faith that they had. But now he's asking them, because I told you the truth, am I now your enemy? Again, what changed? He's still preaching the same gospel, right? He didn't change his message or modify his message. No. So we see here how God's people can even be influenced to speak against God's preachers by the enemies of the gospel. It can happen. It can happen, beloved. May God the Holy Spirit guard us against this sinfulness. And may we be quick. Yeah, here's the key. May we be quick to forgive one another. Just let it go. Something, something bothers you? Take it to the Lord and just let it go. Leave it there. Leave it there. And you know, that, that'll breed unity. We have that, don't we? We have unity. By what, by, look what the Lord's done. It's amazing. And I, I hope that that happened in the Galatian churches. We don't know. We don't hear anything afterwards. But I hope that's what happened. I hope that they, they, they left the Judaizers. Now, some of them probably went with them. No doubt. But I hope that the majority of them stayed. And, um, and uh, that God was glorified. Brother Jim.